Welcome to the Run Strong Podcast, episode 94. Hello, Rob Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. Just discussing how much I like the number 94. We didn't really give a reason as to why. Nine's my favorite number, and then four is even. So it's probably got something to do with it. Okay. <laughs> right, yesterday, you turned 36. I did. Now, there's some fun fact for the listeners. <laughs> that's, that's the only fact there is, really. I turned 36. Actually, I went and I ran 36K on Sunday, and it was probably the most horrific run I've done since I turned 35. <laughs> I did the same I, uh, thing then. I saw that on the old Instagram. What was it? Weather, weather conditions? Just next? You know, <clears throat> I discussed this with someone this morning at track. You know, when we always say to people that you should make sure you're well hydrated, make sure you're well rested, you take some nutrition, you take electrolytes, you're... I did none of that and I oh, suffered no. horribly. Especially and at 36. I had everything in my car, but I just, in my head, I thought, oh, it's only 36. It's an item back, plenty of water coolers. Marcus was standing there <clears throat> and he put on his race vest and I thought, nah, I'll just take, I'll take a 250 ml bladder and it'll be fine. And it wasn't. <laughs> Not so, fine. I, and I, you know, it's it one of the things I kicked myself as soon as we set off. I was like, this is a bad idea. And it was. So, I, uh, just to, uh, to chat around that, I've just dropped a precision hydration 1000 electrolyte tablet into my water because when you're in Europe and it's like mid teens, 15 mm. up to 20 degrees, you, uh, you don't really sweat. And it's so nice because you're not constantly rehydrating. But as I stepped off the plane um, last night, we landed at midnight and obviously you're, you're queuing for the taxis. And uh, I was just standing there just sweating because it is 36 degrees at, at 1 a.m. Um, so yeah, don't, don't think it's going to be fine when you're running 36Ks at what would have been hotter because you probably started at what, 5 a.m.? Started at 5 a.m. and it was humid, really humid then as well. And I just, uh, yeah, I just, I was almost I was too ballsy and I didn't I just thought ah, fuck it I don't need it and I really really did so uh, please don't do that I think the minute you say ah fuck it I'll be fine is when you should probably stop and go no no I need to do that exactly exactly and I knew I did it last year I took loads of stuff last year and I was still ruined so I should have, <laughs> I should have known uh, I, uh, I had a quite a funny um funny thing the other day I was looking I actually when I spoke to you last week when we did the podcast I hadn't mm. really looked at any of my stats from the Ironman race so people asked me how it was blah, blah, and I could only really say from a feeling standpoint and I didn't actually know what what I'd really done but um I looked yet yeah, no not yesterday the day before and I was like okay I actually need to look because I need to write some feedback um on training peaks for this and I was looking at my run and it was comparing it to like some other runs. You know how Training Peaks compares your runs yeah. um, to other efforts. And it it compared one of them with the that run that we did with Rossi. Do you remember? The, <laughs> the 30K that took, I think, six and a half or seven hours for something. That was it. It was comparing like some of like longest runs or something like that. And I was like, what did we do then? And I thought this must have been something to do with Rob Jones looking at it. And then I figured it out with the dates of, of what we actually did. But that was one of those cases where he we, we had full, did we have bladders on, I think? We had, we, did. we were ready. 
we were we had fully food ready. and bladders and and we because we discussed this before we thought this is going to be a long morning for, yeah. for context rossi is a, a radio presenter who was doing 30 kilometers for the dubai fitness challenge and he never really chris moyles of dubai the Chris Moyles of Dubai, exactly, yeah. And he'd never really run, ever. I think his longest, I think he said to us uh, in the morning of, my longest run has been 7K and I did that last night or something stupid. Yeah, he, he did London Marathon like two years ago and thought he was mm-hmm. still on a, on a recovery phase from it. And it took, he started off really well, didn't he? And then it all went downhill very quickly. Don't we always start off really well? True. Yeah, yeah. that was... Um, that was quite funny. I remember you running on ahead and grabbing him a bottle of water and, and some food at like half halfway. And it, he was like, should I eat now or is it a bit too soon? I was like, you need to eat immediately. Yeah, you should have eaten 5K ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, I remember being after that run, I was so sore. Mm. Had such bad doms just because it, because we actually, we talked about this on the podcast. It completely changed our running style, didn't it? Because we had to almost go so slowly and we just weren't used to it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, plodding along. That was a really interesting thing. I, I knew, but I, it kind of became apparent to me again was being over in uh, in cooler conditions for the last two and a half weeks when you're running at your actual easy pace, but which is more comfortable to run. So like 440s, although it's in cooler conditions, is, is easy for me. It feels mm-hmm. easier to run that pace than running like 530s over here in the heat because your mechanics are just so much different. Yeah so much different and now trying to get my head back around going out and running in this heat again and being like okay try not to look at anything other than how you feel but standing in the queue last night trying to get a taxi and already feeling like I was sweating out half my body weight I'm not looking forward to the first run back out it's actually quite a nice little segue in something because you've just come back from Europe lots of people will have just come back from a summer holiday <clears throat> excuse me or summer that's probably a cooler climate and they're going to try and get back into their running or back into their training so what are you going to do or how are you adjusting back I'm going straight into a training camp on the weekend. <laughs> a three-day three-day smash fest is not the not the answer I was looking for. Please do not uh, do no, that. No, I wouldn't tackle it that way um, if, if I had a choice. Uh, you, you just have to take it really short. So understanding that maybe an hour run in, in cool conditions is like worthy of about half an hour over here in these conditions. And you just cannot compare paces. Like mm-hmm. it's, it is just to use myself as an example again, like I couldn't run over 90 minutes. I think an hour 45 was my longest run this year over here um with the with the heat obviously in the start of the year when it was cooler i was injured and then as the heat ramped up i just couldn't get past that hour 45 mark um well into the darkness i did three hours but obviously was having achilles pain but it was all to do around i think um running mechanics and just not being good at running at those slower speeds i hop over to europe and you know within an ironman i've and i looked at my stats the course was long i actually ran a 314 marathon Wow. Which, yeah, it, I'm like still trying to understand that, how that works, because it should on paper not have happened. But we just, we say it every year, but I think we never truly understand the difference that this environment over here creates with your running ability, which obviously affects your running form. It's just, it's night and day and, and you just can't compare it. So 
if you have been over in the cooler conditions and you've been enjoying those runs and you're like, oh, I'm getting fitter, this is really cool. And then you come back out here, just try and ignore everything that you've been following while you've been in the cooler conditions in terms of your pace, your heart rate, performance factors, because you just can't compare them. You have to almost do a reset as yourself, as an athlete back over here and just stick out the next two months while it's still going to be hot, still going to be humid. Um, you know, we do know we get some of the best weather in the world come like November all the way through to the end of Feb. And we just have to be patient and wait for it and try not to compare any of your performances or anything else to, to yourself while you were over in Europe or to anyone else who might be on Strava or whatever, who lives in Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a big one is like lots of people I know look at other people's Stravas and go, Whoa, that was, that's super fast. I mean, yeah, but they're in 19 degrees and you're here in 30 feels like 45. You just can't compare. Yeah. It's not the same. You cannot, you cannot. And everything gets hampered. So, you know, as, as you know, we talked about the strains that heat does give to you or puts on your body that doesn't just affect you in terms of trying to cool yourself, but that also takes blood away from your stomach, which will help with di- you know, digestion. So then you might start feeling like, oh, over here, you get bad stomach while you're running or you, your muscles have to work harder with the less, less blood because more blood's being shunted out to the, to the skin. So you're, you're like your form in different areas, you get higher muscle fatigue. Like it really affects you from every aspect of running economy gets affected while you're in the heat. So my best advice would be shorten things down and give yourself a break. There we go. And we'll and see you, think, you oh, at the it, training camp fine. on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> and if you think, oh, I'll be fine, you probably won't prepare yep. better. So what is your plan for the weekend's training camp then? What are you going to do? Right, I'm going to show up and just attack skinny from the off. <laughs> He, he's got a new coach lately and he's been, I've seen, I've been watching his training peaks. He's been doing like 15 hours of training and giving it the beans and, and all this. And so um, he's never beaten me up, Jebel Jace. And this weekend, it will not begin. It will not be. Here, I nearly had him on a hill rep at the weekend. Oh. I nearly had him. Rep one, I thought, okay, I'll see how fast he's going to go. Christ, he's going quite fast. Rep two, I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him. I'm going to get him. So I ran alongside him with the GoPro. And then as the incline got further and further up, it just started peeling away. Oh, like, oh, I'm not going to get him. Not going to get him. <laughs> Look what at I love about us is, is like we finally, you know, like we've been saying for years, Skinny needs to get a coach and finally crack on it. And the minute he does, we all just start attacking him. <laughs> It's just, the, I love the way that the coaches work here. I don't, there's no way in hell. Skinny is hands down, 100% faster than me at every single distance. I don't know why I thought I'd get him on a hill rep, but in my head, I was convinced. And that Because he's tired, <laughs> It's going to happen. He's tired. It's going to happen. We'll crack him exactly. eventually. Exactly. Oh, we've cracked him many times. It's just when it happens again. Good. Um, so yeah, I will be there at the camp this weekend. Um, and all jokes aside, I'll be there to just have a bit of fun. That's the have best way to fun. go into these things, right? Is to go and have fun and just you're getting some good training, hanging out with some good people and exactly having a good time. I haven't ridden my bike since the race. Run a little bit, not much. Swam this morning. That was interesting. <laughs> so yeah, I think uh, it's a great way to get back into it. It's just to jump on your bike and, and head out to a mountain in 40 degrees and go up and down a few yeah go up and down a few times cool one
So, mate, today we're talking about Jordan Ultra X. Yes. You Let's... have run this race once last year. <clears throat> yeah, 20, 2019 it was. Uh, yeah, 2019, not last year. Not last year. Last year it wasn't on. It got cancelled for COVID. That's so it's back right. on this year, 2021. And you are going again. We are going again. So instead we of are. getting a guest on, you're the guest. <laughs> thank you very much. It's a, thank you for having me. I'm very pleased to be here. Let's uh, let's crack on with some questions. Have you got a book coming out by any chance? One thousand uh, two running tips. It's it's actually yeah no I thought that'd be too long so I've gone for nine hundred and ninety nine. <laughs> Minimalism is the in minimalism the exactly. I thought if we go over a thousand, it's just it's too many pages. I want uh nine hundred ninety nine one word running tips. <laughs> And then I want an audiobook version. That would be next level. That Actually, is... I really want to get that book and read it whenever it comes out. Because, <laughs> Well, if you do want to get it when it comes out, head back to last week's show notes mm. and you can go to Robbie's books uh, website, which is www.v-publishing.co.uk. And I think he said on there, the pre-order is available very, very soon. So head there. And, uh, and have a look for 1001 running tips and then you can get it that way. Whilst actually we're on this, it's really interesting. I'm reading at the minute The the Art of Running. I think you've recommended it before. <clears throat> we talked about it definitely on before. And lost Art of Running. Lost Art of Running, sorry. What did I call it? The Art. Lost Art of Running. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> this, the key bit is we've actually lost it. So that yeah. really butchered that whole thing. But reading through that book, the people that are mentioned in this book we've had most of them on as guests <laughs> it's cool huh yeah so tom evans has been on marx's we've had uh, damien hall he's been on we've got robbie Britton. he's been on um, they talk about races in dubai they talk about mds which you obviously know we've had lots of people race that and go to that so it's it's really good fun to read and reference because you know who they're talking about and you know their characteristics and what they're like yeah i know how many times did you read the word tens ten granicity I don't think I've got to that bit yet. I'm only halfway through. I think I might, may have butchered that myself anyway. There's a, he keeps using a word. It's like tension through the body and it has a, a name. Oh, tensinicity. Tensinicity. That's the word, yeah. Every time. It's brilliant. It just made it up. a G in it though. I don't know. Anyway, I'll go back and check. Anyway, right, let's, let's talk about Jordan. We're, we're losing people here. We are. <laughs> By the way, shout out to Boz's mum. She listens. She told me. <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, it's part of a learning English um, academia. So that's not going to help. <laughs> but you're a teacher, it should. Oh, right. Dear. Jordan right, Ultra X. Talk, ask me questions. Mate, first off, why don't you tell mm. us a little bit about this race? Where is it? Uh, who runs it? And distance, days, that sort of thing. Okay, so it uh, it's now called Ultra X Jordan. It used to actually go by a different name. It used to be called the Wadi Rum Ultra. So many, well, maybe some people know it by that. <clears throat> and it takes place in the uh, the land of Lawrence of Arabia. Mm. It's, uh, it's a it's a desert course, so it's a mixture of soft sand, sand dunes, hard compact jeep trail um, in Wadi Rum. It takes you past loads of historic sites in Wadi Rum. Uh, loads of deep wadis, huge sand dunes. Um, the Valley of the Moon is in there, which is in lots of uh, Hollywood films and things. And it's just 
it's just this mind-blowing 250k five-day all-immersive experience really okay it's weird so f- five days 250k mm-hmm. how do mm-hmm. the how does that break down uh okay so the first day is well all every, every race or every day if you like is over 40k so the first day is 46 the second day is 50 the third day is 68 <clears throat> the fourth day is 46 and then the last day is 40 sprint finish really mm. um so there's some elevation in there but it's not much you're looking at about 500 meters a day give or take and it obviously depends on how the sand dunes are formed so if the if the wind blows and the sand dune shift, you're looking at a little bit more and maybe a little bit less. Depends. Okay. And then how do they? Uh, how are you finding your way on these? Are they marked, or you got a map and a compass? Or yeah. Google so the maps? whole the whole route uh, is marked with little pink flags. So whenever you set off, you all set off together. <clears throat> Excuse me. If it's nighttime, the flags are reflective, so you can pick them up with your head torch. And it's every I'd say every twenty to fifty meters, they have these flags. Um, in the daylight, you can see them really, really clearly. And you, you basically just follow those flags. And at some points, because the desert is so vast and open, you can see the flags pinpointed for, you know, hundreds of meters ahead of you. Mm. Um, and so you just try and pick your best vantage point, if you like, through through the dunes, because sometimes obviously the straight line is not necessarily always the fastest line. And people in front of you maybe have not run the fastest route. And then similarly behind you, people might try and follow footsteps and that maybe that's not the fastest route. So there's some tactics involved as well. Okay. So do you have to, is there like a tunnel of flags or you have to like touch each one or it's just a guide, but you have to get to the checkpoint? The idea is to get from start to finish. You, the, I think in that to the official rules, you need to be within a hundred meters laterally of the flags. Uh. So there'll be some sections, let's say you're going through a ravine, <clears throat> excuse me, and it's a big wide basin at the bottom. Obviously, you can't go out of the ravine left or right. You want to try and follow the flags and keep them in your eyesight in case there's a, a sneaky little section where maybe they cut off left or right somewhere that you don't notice. But you can effectively cut the corner as long as you're with 100 meters of those flags. And there is a, well, there was a, last year a few points on the course where you could cut some corners still within 100 meters and save yourself you know, a little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. So most people are finishing the day with a similar sort of distance on their watch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's good to know because sometimes I think people worry that, you know, that you can easily get lost on these sort of things mm-hmm. or, um, or that, you know, there's no sort of rules behind it and, and you can just cut off huge chunks of the course and, uh, and people can sneakily get ahead that way. No, the you know, the only way to mess it up really is to add distance on. I, I got lost on day one last year <laughs> or two Sorry. years ago. Yeah, there was literally, it was a 90 degree left turn and I was too busy chatting to another competitor and uh, we just ran past it and then lost the flags and we looked behind us and we saw all these, uh, all these runners on the horizon going a completely different direction. It's like, oh dear, back we go. Not like you to be chatty, mate. No, I know. So um, on that note, actually, what's mm. sort of the, how does the environment work in terms of like your other competitors, um, other people racing? Are you, you know, there's not in a sort of a, a marathon, if you like, you, you don't really run and chat to other people as, as far as I know. Some people might. 
um, and it, you kind of are racing everyone around you. How does yeah. the environment feel to race in, in the, in these sort of conditions? It's really cool because the, the first day you arrive, <clears throat> excuse me. So you'll start at the, the race hotel and you'll jump on a bus and you drive five hours uh, into Wadi Rum and the, the campsite's already set up. So you go set yourself up. You're, you're, you're all living, if you like, in the same community. Uh, there's a campfire in the middle. You know, so you're kind of without, you don't want to, but you always, you're eyeing up all the other competitors going, right, who's, who's this guy? He's, what's he look like? Does she look fast? Is, is he fast? And then you start talking to people, you find out their backgrounds. Oh, what have you run before? And you can kind of get a vibe of who's going to be competitive and who's not. And then obviously the, you wake up the next day and stage one starts and three, two, one, go. This It's so hard to tell because so many people shoot out the gate far too quickly and you think, are they going fast or am I going to catch them in two or three K or are they here to stay? You know, um, there's, there's obviously the, the night before there's this gossip that goes around the camp. Oh, this guy, Salome, he's never lost a stage. He lives in Jordan. He's a local. And you think, okay, this, this guy's good. He he's actually, he's done really well at MDS. I think he may have won MDS before. So you always think straight away, right. He's, he's going to go. <laughs> Is anyone going to stay with him? Um, yeah, it, it's, People say they're not competitive, but I think secretly everyone is eyeing each other up and, and figuring out, okay, who should I race? Who am I going to hang on to? You know, we start playing mind games a little bit. Um, what's your advice there to people there, mate? If let's say you've got uh, a first timer, never done this sort of race before, has, has run a little bit in, in the sand, has run a little bit in hot conditions, but it's the mm. first time they're taking on a multi-stage race and Although they know that they're say um, they know they're novice to this, they still quite fancy themselves as a decent runner. Where where would you say they should place themselves on the start line on the first day, and and how they should, you know, think about it the first say two or three days until they know the last two days that they're they're going to be home safe. From what I've seen, there are people that push. You know, the first day in this in this race is 40, 46 kilometers. So there's lots of people that have run marathons and run ultras before. And so they think, actually, that's that's not that far. I might have a good, a good crack at it. And inevitably, what tends to happen is people go far too fast and far too hard on the first day and then suffer for it for the rest of the week and end up not having a very good time. So I would say use that first day as sort of a, a lead in. If you're not necessarily run on the sand before, or you don't know the conditions. If, if you're coming from the UK and it's going to be hot or somewhere in Europe and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be hot weather for you because it's in October. So you've just gone through your summer and it's starting to cool off. You need to adjust and acclimatize. So again, take your time on that first day, settle into it, enjoy it. And then if you want to start having a push on day two, day three, day four, you can. But if you ruin yourself in day one, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you the rest of the week. Very smart answer. And the flip, there's a flip side to that, though, also, is that when people try and do long back-to-back runs, let's say, <clears throat> excuse me, in training, what they forget is that they're, you know, they've probably got a full-time job, wife, kids, or you know, responsibilities. When you get to the desert and you do these long runs, you do your, you know, 45 K you might be done in four or five, six hours. All you have to do the rest of the day is rest and relax and there's no stress. So you actually, re- you wake up the next day. And if you're, if you're down with your nutrition and your hydration, and your recovery protocols, you can recover really, really quickly. And so what I find is because I had that, I was on top of that for the entire week when I went, I was able to get up the next day and really attack the start. Um, whereas if I'd have tried to do that in my 
air quotes, normal life, there's no way I could have been able to run that hard for a week. That really segues nicely into my next question is the, the conditions of the camp. Mm. We, what do we like? They bring out some beds. It's kind of like a Jumeirah resort set up in, <laughs> in Jordan. Or are we talking like you've got nothing, you have to just take your sleeping bag and, and sleep out under the stars? You get a, if you like, a Bedouin tent. That is, you can maybe fit, or back pre-COVID, you could fit 15 people inside. So you arrive, you stick your bag down, you find a corner, you get your camping mat out, and you get your sleeping bag out, and that's where you sleep. So some people had very minimalist stuff, and some people had cushions stuffed into their bags. <laughs> they could roll out. It's completely what you can get within your weight limit. Um, Ultra light weight outdoor gear.co.uk or something like that exactly something like that yeah (laughs) yeah i mean for me i if if anyone's planning on doing something like this i think the best way to recover is is your sleep if your sleep's fantastic then you're going to wake up feeling amazing the next day people seem to to scrimp on their on their sleeping arrangements which is something i would not do go on then tell us a bit about that how what what would scrimping look like and what would doing it properly look like so scrimping might be a really cheap mat, a really cheap sleeping bag, using your clothes as a pillow um, and just, yeah, not, not practicing, not lying on hard terrain, see how it feels. Like before I went, I was sleeping in the living room in, in my house to test out my gear to see if it would not, work and see if I was going to be comfortable. <laughs> not by choice. Pissed off Heidi. <laughs> it was by choice. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so yeah, I tested it. Um, I had a, I've got a blow up pillow, which is super lightweight. So, you know, I don't have to use my clothes. I was comfortable when I was going to sleep. That's yeah. the main thing. Yeah. And uh, is, it, is it hot there in the night? Yes. In the day or in the nighttime, it's not so bad. Comfortable. So your sleeping bag doesn't need to take you down to minus 20. No, 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 no. It's like 10, 12 degrees. Yeah. So you want a, just a nice lightweight, comfy one. Yeah, I but, think they uh, call it, don't they call it a three season? I think it's a three season sleeping bag you're looking for. Yeah, because the other one, you don't want to be too hot and like just sweating through the night either. Exactly. Yeah. And then obviously, then what you can look at is clothes. So if you know, if you feel like you're going to be too hot or too cold, you just add clothes, take off clothes. So take a long sleeve top just in case for the nighttime, you yeah. might get chilly. Um, take some lightweight clothes in case you're too hot and Silk take some magnesium. Down. Yes. I think on those sort of trips that a lot of people get carried away with taking like, like say three tops for three different conditions. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll take a pair of fresh shorts for each day and fresh socks for each day, but you can actually, like, if you get a decent um, top that is like, what do they call it? Like, um, climate controlled or whatever. Like yeah. I find Merino wool tops, like it's great for when it's a little bit, you need a, just something to check on, but, and it's great for when you, you're actually cold and it's yes. one top, you don't have to then take three. And obviously if it's hot. You're going to be wearing a vest or whatever. So um, actually being smart with, and again, instead of buying three tops that might be the price of one, you just buy one really good one that, you know, is going to keep you hot. Um, sorry, not is going to stop you getting cold, mm-hmm. but also isn't going to overheat you, um, which is where like the sort of Merino wool fabrics and stuff come in. You're actually, okay, it's an expensive top, but it is all you need for like one five-day trip and they're really easy to wash and they don't smell and they're actually way better to do than 
than chucking in three separate tops that just take up bag space and you might only use one of the three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, uh, what they have actually, there was, there's plenty of water at these camps. So if you, I had a, if you like a shower cap, <clears throat> excuse me. And I took a little bottle of uh, washing up liquid, if you like. So I'd get a bit of water into my shower cap, just rinse off my shorts, my socks. When I got back into camp after each day's running, just so there's no salt buildup or anything. And then just hang them up. I took some pegs with me in my bag so I could hang them up onto the guy ropes of the tents. And then the next day I had semi fresh, <laughs> if you like semi fresh running gear to put on, um, which made a big difference. Huge difference. Huge mm-hmm. difference. Good. That's uh, some good tips in there. Um, what about anything else to do in your downtime? Take a book with you? Celebrate no. it like your birthday or? <laughs> I was just chatting to people. It's like, it's because, um, there's nothing to do other than just stare and look out at the, at the, at the landscape, really. There's one day, I think it was after the, the long stage, um, you finish in the middle of nowhere, basically. But you end up on, a, on a, like this rock camp, they call it. So you're right under the edge of a cliff and you're sleeping on this angled rock. They don't give you tents that day. You just sleep on the rock. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so what we did, everyone was sitting around this, this rock face, just having a chat. And we thought, Do you know what, sorry, the sun's setting. Let's go sit on this huge rock that looks at the top of the valley. And you can see all the runners that are at the latter stages, if you like coming up the final 10K. So we just sat there and just chilled for I think two hours until the sun went down. It was incredible. And so actually, I put some photos up on that on Instagram. Um, it was just stunning, absolutely yeah. stunning. But no, I'd like some people took books, some people were listening to music, but I just like to go and talk to people, eat food. <laughs> yeah, nice. I think that's what, what you should be doing, really. You're, you're out there, you're in the middle of nowhere, mm. no electrical sockets around. You should embrace it and yeah, chat to you. You can probably be in a more like-minded environment with other humans than, yeah. than on one of these ultra Exactly. There's so many incredible people to meet and they've all got different stories of maybe why they're there. You know, there was people that were the terminal cancers. There were people that it was their, you know, they come back from spinal surgery. There were people that were just trying to take off ultras in every country. There was it's just like so diverse, the group of people, and they all have something to share and something you can learn, which is really interesting. So talk to as many people as possible and yeah, listen, enjoy it. One of the things that, um, I sort of love about long distance racing and not many things I love about Ironman, but, but one of the things is that you get such a diverse, uh, like, um, abilities of people who enter them and, you know, you, you, like you're, you could be finished in under 10 hours and then six hours later, people are still racing and, and they're getting as much, if not more sort of admiration and support as the, as the people who finished like eight hours before them. Yeah. Is that the same on these sort of races? The, the people who are coming into camp sort of six hours after you've finished, are, are people getting around them? Are they helping them? Are they supporting them? Or, or is it kind of, do you leave them alone and, and let them get on with it? How does that look? 100%. So the only, the only thing, the only day that didn't happen was the long day. <clears throat> Excuse me, because it's long. Um, we started really early. And the fastest guy, I think, I mean, yeah, I can pull this up. The fastest guy, Salome, was coming in seven hours, 44. Um, put it into perspective, it took me nine hours and six. But the, the slowest time for that day was 
16 hours, uh, no, I lie, 18 hours, 58 minutes. So, you know, everyone's fast asleep when, when these guys are coming in. Um, and they, what's worse is they've got to get up then and get ready to do the next day. So they get no recovery time after that long day, which is interesting. Harder. Much, much harder. Um, yeah, you know, it's one thing to run fast, but it's one thing to spend, you know, two thirds, even longer, two thirds of your day out in the heat and then to get up and then go again. That is, yeah. It'd be interesting to compare, um, TSS scores between the slowest guys and the fastest. See who's mm. actually working harder. Interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. All right. Um, so like I think what you're saying there is all abilities can do the race. I mean, obviously yeah. you need to be able to run the distance, but it there's not really a there's not a huge divide. You're still seen as being a, a true competitor within the oh, race. Oh, completely. Yeah. There's there was somebody last there was somebody when we did the race that walked the entire thing. Mm. Yeah, I remember hearing that. Which Actually, you know, to walk at that speed in the cutoffs, <laughs> and like yeah. you say, your, your recovery time is dramatically reduced. It's, it's minimal, yeah. Longer. They just they just got it done. They just had hiking poles, and every morning they just didn't run a single step. Just got up and bang, bashed out the the hike, basically hiking to fifty k. Right, and then to finish off, I'm going to ask you this question: three pieces of must-have kit. What are you taking? Coffee, essential, essential. Um, oh, spare socks. Okay. And the third, ah, tins of tuna. Ah, different. Two of those are edible. (laughs) One. one is a good one well aside from the obvious like obviously the obvious thing would be shoes and gaiters but i i'm going for things that make my time afterwards just that little bit more comfortable a little bit better yeah i like good coffee so i'll take i'll definitely take my good coffee um and i'll take yeah none of this nescafe shite i'm taking proper proper coffee grinds and yeah and i don't really like the rehydrated food and so i'll allow a bit of some weird alliance in my bag for some real food which will make me really happy when i come in nice nice so it's not tin of tuna toothbrush and then mask (laughs) mask yeah i'll be fine (laughs) i've had four jabs it's all good (laughs) you have fully ready for the corona fully ready good um mate anything else you can think of that I think we're sort of speaking to the person who may, may be sitting on the fence about whether they want to enter one mm. of these races um, and, and how they look like. I think you've actually painted a really good picture. I mean, I've, I've obviously seen a lot of pictures of, of this race, never done it myself, have been to Jordan, but not into the, the Wadi Rum environment. But you've painted a really, a really good picture. And, and obviously the conditions there suit uh, training in Dubai pretty well. Definitely. Well, don't they? And if you're not training out in Dubai, you can, um, you can replicate them easy enough with, uh, some homemade heat chamber work, which we've done with a few people. Um, but yeah, the kind of the person who's sitting on the fence, what would be your last convincing statement to make for someone who was thinking about doing this race? That we have a discount code that we could give them. <laughs> oh, nailed it. <laughs> no, I would say actually to be fair, if, if you have a good level of fitness, um, there 
although it's quite short time to get to the race now, I think seven weeks away. Yeah. But these races are very, very accessible and they are a very good, if you like, jump into uh, the world of multi-stage ultra running. Everyone's very friendly. It's, it's quite a small race field, if you like, so you get to know everyone very, very well. Um, and the race organizers, we've had Jamie on twice, haven't we? He's yeah. just a lovely guy. And they are there for the entire week, right in your face. They get to know everyone's name. They get to know where they're from. They know your family. They know your pets that, you know, they hang around with you at the campfire at nighttime. It's yeah. It's a very, very friendly group of people. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely can echo that. They're kind of a, a, a one-off in terms of how they run their races. And mm. it's also mate, remind me of the price. I think it's very, very reasonable. Is that right? uh, oh, I want to say it's around 800 pounds, isn't it? Something like this. Say around the thousand pound mark. 800 a thousand pounds and then yeah you can pay it in installments it's it's covid protected so for any reason whatsoever you cannot make it so if you get covid your flights are cancelled uh you can't well i don't know they shut jordan off for example they will refund you the full amount no questions asked or you can defer it to another race or another year or whatever they are fantastic on that Brilliant. So, mate, if people want to um, want to ask about the code or, or ask more questions to you, then they can just email you, rj at innerfight.com yes. or head over to your Instagram, Rob Jones Endurance on there. And you do post some some pretty good pictures on there, some some good information. You've got tons of pictures of yourself at that race. And yeah, again, that helps to really paint a picture and imagine yourself in that environment doing doing something that you've talked about for a while. It's just been, you I mean, I know you loved every minute of it. Uh, and you can hear it again in your voice there talking about it you just you get over there switch yourself off for five days have one of the best running experiences you can have all with a bunch of like-minded people and uh, and some very motivational stories are shared around the campfire by the sound definitely it's like a holiday for me <laughs> <laughs> if it actually so, as well i've just i've just checked to their that. website they do give you five utmb qualifying points as well so if you finish you could head off to chamonix for the, the World Cup of trail running. Wow. How many points do you need for Shamani? Uh, for the big one? Oh, I've forgotten. I want to say it. But ah, there's different races. Different races, different. Yeah, it's a good good amount of points there. Very Brilliant. Good. good. That's it then. Show 94, Jordan Ultra X with Rob Jones. Complete. Um, all the usual. I must, be, I must be the most interviewed guest at the minute. I think you could be up there, mate. You and uh, Steph, Steph Humphrey. <laughs> About time we had her back on. Um, for all things endurance, just please email endurance at innerfight.com. Again, if you want to find out more about Jordan or you want to get your hands on that discount code, email rj at innerfight.com or head over to his Instagram, Rob Jones Endurance. I'm not quite at the stage of giving out your phone number yet, mate, but I might do that one day as a bit of a joke. <laughs> See what sort of uh, traffic we can get you. <laughs> Or anything to do or anything to ask me, please email twinnerfight.com or head over to my Instagram, Tom Walker Fitness. If you're not following us on Instagram, IF underscore endurance, then you should be. We have Tuesday tips on there. We have all the links for Walker Wednesday. We have shots from Track Tuesday. We have coffee run banter on there. We will have all the footage on there from this weekend's training camp coming up. What else do we put on our, on our endurance Instagram, mate? Some Q and A's. Coaches jump mm -hmm. in every week to do some Q and A's on there. It's actually a, a really solid resource on Instagram to be following, and I urge everybody to get over there and follow that one. 
swimming we have on Sundays, Tuesdays at the moment, while we still have access to the pool, but Sundays, Tuesdays, and Saturdays. Saturdays and Sundays will remain. Tuesdays are only for a few more weeks, and then that will finish. Track Tuesday on as normal. Cycle skills on as normal. Friday ride this weekend is off, but next weekend we're back on as normal. We're just bouncing along, mate, now, aren't we? Oh, yes. Flying. We are back next week with a guest. We'll keep that quiet for now, but she is extremely smart and we have to act accordingly to make sure we get a good interview there. Otherwise, it could descend into <laughs> probably what the beginning of this podcast sounded like. You mean we need um, to prepare? <laughs> yeah, we, we should probably prepare some questions for that. But next week is going to be definitely one to bring your notebooks and pens along to. We have Abby from Precision Hydration coming on and she is their sports scientist. So she knows many, many things about exercise, about exercising in the heat, about hydration, about fueling. And we're going to chat to her. Um, and that will be next week's show, episode 95. That's it. We'll be back next That's week. It. Perfect. See you Thanks all next week. Listening.